0: Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Hello everyone, my name is Genson Sharlow and uh, I am the president of IMES University of Haiti and all, and the pastor of Discipleship Church here in Cap Haitian. I would like to take this opportunity to say a big thank you to the Reverend um, Ellis, James Ellis, for this opportunity to be speaking to you today at chapel. Before I begin with the message today, let me ask you to take a few minutes of your time and pray for us, pray for our country, pray for Haiti. Things have been very difficult for us these days, and we crave all the prayers that we can get. Now, let us turn our attention to the uh, occasion for the moment, which is the preaching of the Word of God from the book of Esther, chapter 6. What an exciting book. What an exciting story. What an exciting chapter. This chapter is thrilling. This story is amazing. We are here to witness the beginning of an epic turn of events. It cannot get any better than this. This is suspenseful. This is thrilling. This is exhilarating. I love action movies, but there is no action movie we can compare to this. Uh, to this. To this. Uh, series, to this action, to this chapter. This is an amazing chapter. Esther chapter 6 is God's telling us his story, giving under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, this is our story. I'm so glad to share with you the most exciting chapter of the story of Esther as we know it, as we study it throughout this semester. So I'm asking you this question. What do you see when you watch this episode unfolding before your eyes? What do you feel? What do you see? How do you see yourself in this story, in this chapter? Let us read Esther chapter 6 again and see if we can find ourselves inside this story, this exciting story, beginning in in verse 1. That night, the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded that Mordecai had exposed Big and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor! And recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him. His attendant answered. The king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impalling Mordecai on the pole he had set up for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought of himself, Who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, For the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has won, and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor, and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him. This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse, and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So Haman got the robe and the horse he Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief and, he, and told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried him and away to, to the banquet Esther had prepared for them. Here is what I see by reading this passage. I see God's providence in full motion. God's providence is in full motion. What is happening here has nothing to do with coincidences. It is God's providence in full play. God is in control. God is at work. His people are in danger. He needs to save them. He needs to deliver them. He needs to intervene. Therefore, he is taking actions. Let us look at how God's providence is in full motion here. One thing we see is that the king is disturbed. The king is disturbed. The king could not sleep. The first verse. Why? What Happens to the king's bed? What happened to the wine and the fine food that Esther just prepared for the king? Shouldn't this stuff prepare the king for a good night's sleep? But the king could not sleep because the king is not in control of his sleeping pattern. Even though Zexes is a great king, he has a big, a great um, kingdom. He, he is ruling over a great kingdom. But he is not in charge of everything. God, Yahweh, is. And Yahweh needs Zexes tonight. Yahweh needs Zexes' attention. And Zexes could not sleep. So when God's um, providence is in full motion... Even the most powerful king will not be able to sleep because God want God wants that king that night to do something for him in the morning, something that cannot be, something that cannot wait for the next day. And tonight God wanted King Zexa's attention. And if God says there is no sleep, there is nothing that can help you. Fall asleep. So the first thing is that King Zex says is disturbed, and it was disturbed that night, could not sleep. But why tonight? Because tomorrow the enemy is plotting to kill the people of God tomorrow. And God needs to intervene tonight. I love my God. I love God. God never sleeps. He never slumbers. He watches over his children day and night. And the life of his children is in danger. And so he's at work even in the middle of the night. Even when the people could not see him at work. But God is always at work for his children. When our lives are threatened, when we are in danger, when the enemy comes to, to kill and steal and destroy us, God is at work. He never rests. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. I love God. This is why I serve God, because God is always watching over me. And even now, in the situation that we find ourselves in in our country here in Haiti, I am certain, I have the guarantee that God is watching over us, those of us who are his, even in the country, even in the situation that we're facing today. So the first thing we see and in, God's, in God's providence for his people is that, is that the king is disturbed. And the second thing we, we want to consider uh, with you today is that the good is discovered. While the king is unable to sleep and then there is a good that is going to be discovered. Then And also this cannot be a coincidence, my friends. It can't be a coincidence. It is God still at work because he has a plan. He has a plan. He has a mission to deliver his people. So the question is, where was that book among the pile of the books King, uh, King in King X's library? How many pages that book has? Did the book... Did the reader go to the index of the book to find this particular page at that particular moment? No, absolutely not. It is God leading him. God is, God is in control. So God send that man to read the good deeds that Mordecai had done for the king. So good deeds always pay off. Even when the beneficiaries of our benevolence do not pay us any mind, but God never fails to keep record of our good actions. So when you do good, more so you do good for people who do not deserve our goods, in the case in such as the King Zuck says, God always keeps record of the good things that we do. This is why we are encouraged to never, never stop doing what is good. Because God is taking note, and He's taking note of the good things that we do. Of all nights, two nights, the good deeds that Mordecai had done for the king's success has been read. It has been read. And then tomorrow should have been the day of doom the eve of the day of the destruction, the good has been discovered. The day, a day that was conceived by the prime minister of the country and decreed by the king, a day of no return, a sealed day, Mordecai good deeds that saved the king from assassination is discovered. This is how God is awesome, working on our behalf. And his providence is being shown here in full motion. So when Zexus heard this, Zexus' heart is moved. The king's conscience is awakened. Is awakened and he is touched by what he heard. His purpose for ordering to read the book was to lull him to sleep. But now he's finding himself even in, in a more difficult situation to sleep. He is thinking. He is thinking. Something is missing from the record. Something is missing from the reading. The record is not completing. Is not complete. Zex says looks like someone under the influence of a greater force. This is one of the rare times we can think, we can imagine that the great King Zexes is not thinking about himself, but he's thinking about someone else. He is thinking about Mordecai. Then came the one million dollar questions. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The answer to this question was as poor as the question was which Nothing has been done for Mordecai. God's providence is in full motion here, my friend. Mordecai must be rewarded. Something needs to be done. And the next thing we see is the reward is described. Mordecai reward for his good deeds that was ignored long time ago. But at the appropriate time, Mordecai is being rewarded. And the des- and the and the reward is being described. And the most interesting thing about this is that the enemy it's himself, Amen, is the one who is going to describe the the reward. This is getting really exciting. I really like the twist here.
1: Zexes
0: wants to do something for Mordecai. But he cannot come up with anything. Zexes needs some advice. How to reward Mordecai. Zexes wishes his entire court was present with him to decide how to reward Mordecai. So he asks another expensive question. Who is in the court? And that night it was only King Zexes who suffered from insomnia. His prime minister, the second in command in his kingdom, was also sleepless that night. Haman was so disturbed that night with the thought, with the very thought of seeing Mordecai still alive that he could not even wait until daybreak to come to the king to ask the king to kill Mordecai. So when Zach says, needed someone to help him think of a reward for Mordecai, Haman, the enemy, the enemy was there, well awake, well caffeinated, warning, firing on all cylinders.
1: He was there
0: to give the king his best advice ever. So the attendant told the king who was available, and the great Haman, the only one, the one and only the king would honor if the king would want to honor someone. So Haman thought, and he was there present at the right time, at the right moment to describe the, the reward for the first victim. And we have this, so the man the king, him and talk, and saying, the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe. The king has won and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on his on its head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights. To honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. This is a heavy loaded reward. Haman puts all his dream All he would want to be, all his ambitions, all his selfish and egocentric desires in this reward. What a man is Haman. What else is needed here to be crowned king? This is amazing. This is pulsating. I can feel Haman's heart beat as he waits for the king to honor him. Being honored in such a way by the king and killing Mordecai the next day. This is heaven for Haman. Then come the bombshell. Mr. Heman, do it all for Mordecai. Do it all for Mordecai. There is not enough time to say more about this turn of events. But Mordecai is decorated and Haman is destroyed. The enemy is the one who described the reward for the innocent. The enemy gets the humiliation he wanted to inflict on the innocent, and the innocent receives the reward. The enemy coveted so much for himself. This is, my friends, God's providence in full motion. So now, let us, let us try to bring the story closer home. What's going on here that applies to us? How does Esther chapter 6 fits to the Trinity Western University's family? And we can see at the heart of this story, there is an ethnic problem there is, a, there is a race problem, a, a problem of color. Haman, Haman's schemes to destroy the Jews is nothing else than a racial issue that goes back to the Exodus. Uh, remember that Haman is an Amalekite, and, and, and the Amalekites, they are an enemy of the Jewish people. The, the minute that Haman heard that Mordecai was a Jew, And then he resulted to kill all the Jews because this is a problem, this is a a struggle, this is a fight between two races that has been gone for a long, long time. So let me suggest to you that although we know the history, the Amalekites who were the first Enemy the the, the Jews would have to face on their way to the promised land. But at the at the foundation, at the core of this issue, it is a problem of faith. It is an issue of faith. And I believe at the heart of all racial issues, there is an issue of faith. And Amen wanted to destroy the Jews because they were Jews. And what make the Jews distinct is their faith and their belief system on Yahweh, on God, on Jehovah. So at the heart of racial profiling, discrimination, hatred, racism, there is a problem of faith. There is a problem of belief system. So This is why this story is closer to us than we might imagine. And today in our world, we are plagued with this kind of racial discrimination, profiling, and racism. For example, almost everywhere I go, every country that I go, The idea I get is that all Haitians are voodoo practitioners. All Arabs looking men are jihadists. All westerners are colonialists. All blacks are criminals. All whites are racists. These are not just mere social issues. These are not just mere um, moral issues. My friend, this is a crisis of faith. It's a crisis of belief system. When our belief about human beings is distorted, so is our action towards one another. Now, let me try to bring this even closer to the Trinity Western University campus. I have yet to visit your campus, but I believe this is a wonderful campus. It must be clean, must be well-maintained, it must be beautiful, and it must be spacious. This is Canada. And so all Haitians think about Canada. And again, this is belief system. I imagine at a trinity... You, you guys, you have different ethnic groups, you diff- have different people, we have different race, even in your faculty, and your student body, you have, you have a multi-racial campus, I have no doubt about that. And also you have, um, um, all, like all university, you must have um, a structure where you have hierarchy and so on and so forth. So this story is a story of hope and also a story of warning. It is is hope for the people of God. Everyone who is on the side of God, this is a story of hope for you. Everyone who is on the side of of Haman, this is a story of warning. So the story of hope for all of us who feel that we are under pressure because of our race, because of our color, because of, 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 of our belief in Jesus, this is a story of hope for us. God is at work for us. But I, it is also a story of, of warning. And I want to encourage everyone who is listening, watching this video, to, be, to make sure that you are on the right side. Because if you are on the wrong side, the same providence of God can be also the wrath of God. So everyone who is on the side of, uh, of God, on the side of the Jewish, who believe in God, who are trusting in God, you don't need to worry about your career. You don't need to worry about, about uh, your future. You don't need to worry about anything, even if you would be discriminated in this world. God is on your side, and his providence is going to protect you. Is going to provide for you. He's going to get you out of this situation where you find yourself. But for those who might be on the side of Haman who are egocentric, who think that that, that they deserve to be treated better, who think that people need to worship them just because they are who they are or they're from this place or or that place. I want to warn you today, you need to consider changing your mindset, changing your belief. And my prayer is that everyone, every race, every color, at Trinity Western University enjoy the fullness of God's providence by choosing to put your trust in God and his son Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit and when it is when and only you trust in the Lord Savior and the Lord our God our Savior that the providence of God will be in your favor and may God protect you and may God guide you, and may God be with you at this season and your time. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at chapel. Until next time, much love.